0: Today we finish up this series we've been doing called Then I Met Jesus. And the big idea for this series is when you meet Jesus, everything can change. Not everything will change, but everything has the possibility of change. And as we finish up the series, uh, today we're going to get to look at the story of a man. And in his story, we're going to find out what are the four deep needs of every human being and how they're met in Jesus. Now, the four deep needs of every human being are, I need to understand. In other words, I need to understand my world, what's going on. And and the second deep need that we all have is I need to be understood. I need someone to understand what it is like to be me. The third deep need that we all have is I need to belong. I need to know that I fit in somewhere. And the last deep need that we all have is I need to have hope. I need to have hope. And in the story of a man named Zacchaeus, we find all four of these needs met by Jesus. So if you have a Bible, turn to chapter 19 of the Gospel of Luke, Luke 19. We're going to look at verses 1 through 10, verses 1 through 10. So listen to God's Word. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, He could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead, climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up. A little bit of background here, Jericho, where this story takes place, was a city uh, where two trade routes intersected. There was a trade route that came from the desert to the sea, and it intersected with a trade route that went from Persia to Egypt. Now, the significance of that is, in the Roman system of revenue, taxes were collected through tolls. So, in a place like Jericho, there would be a toll road, a toll booth coming into the city, and a toll booth going out of the city in four different directions. And so whoever would have been over this system of collection of taxes and tolls would have been pretty wealthy. And that man is Zacchaeus. There's irony in his name. The name Zacchaeus means righteous one. But Zacchaeus wasn't very righteous because uh, tax collectors were thought to be collaborators with the enemy, collaborators with Rome. So you think about somebody who, for example, might be uh, feeding inside information to um, Iran, I mean, would you think that person is a loyal American, or somebody who's feeding inside information to China? Is that person a loyal American? That's the way they saw uh, these tax collectors, that they were not at all uh, righteous people. We also know Zacchaeus is um, a chief tax collector, and he's very wealthy, because he is getting a cut of the cut anybody ever been involved in a pyramid scheme yeah a couple of you're nodding your head I mean if you are sorry that you were ever involved it in, don't raise your hands okay so if you've ever been involved in a pyramid scheme where do you want to be on the bottom of the pyramid or the top yeah well that's where Zacchaeus is he's at the top he's getting the cut of the cup he is really doing well he's wealthy and of course we also know that Zacchaeus was short because he has to run ahead he can't see over the crowd And if you grew up in church, you probably learned this song like I did when I was a child. Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little... You remember this song? Yeah, we taught it to our kids so that they can go crazy when they're adults. Um, So this is Zacchaeus. We also know one more thing. It's real important. Zacchaeus was spiritually curious. Now, you would think a man who has status, he's the chief tax collector, and a man who's wealthy has everything he needs, right? Right? I mean, what more could you want? He can probably buy anything money can buy. And he at least has some positional status. But he still has a spiritual hunger. And and this brings us to the first deep need that every human being has. I need to understand my life. I need to understand my world. I need to understand why when I work hard for something, it doesn't fill me up. Has that been your experience? I, I shared with you a little bit about my story, about how all my life I have been praised for either being smart or being good or performing well, and yet somehow that doesn't really meet the deepest needs I have. And maybe that's your story. Maybe, maybe for you it was like, okay, if I can just find the right person to marry. If I can just find the right person to marry, then I will be happy. And so you find a person and you marry them and you think all your problems are gonna go away. And so let me just check with every married couple who's here. When you got married, did all your problems go away? Okay, every man who's smart is nodding, yes. All my, didn't they, honey? All my problems went away, right? No, they didn't. You just sleep next to your problems now. Isn't that true? Okay, a couple of girls here are going, I can't believe he said that, that married couples sleep together. They really do. I promise. Okay. And, and, and some of you thought, if I could just have a child, if I could just have a child. Every once in a while, a teenage girl will say to me something like, Pastor, I just know that one day I'll have a baby, and that baby will love me, and it will just make my life happy. These are, are girls who've never been around babies. Right? Because babies don't love you until they're 25. Sometimes not even then, right? Yeah, a couple of of parents are going, oh, boy, yeah. And and have you ever noticed how often we will say, you know, hey, you need to get an an education because if you get an education, then, boy, you'll have it made. Or you need to join the military. Join the military so you can have some security, right? (laughs) These are people who've never been to boot camp. Isn't it interesting how often we think if we can just get someone or something life will work out and it doesn't and Jesus understands that Jesus understands Zacchaeus that Zacchaeus may have short man syndrome he's tried to achieve he's a chief tax collector he's wealthy he still has a spiritual emptiness And so Jesus, when he sees Zacchaeus, does not preach a long sermon to Zacchaeus. He does not recommend that Zacchaeus go to therapy. What does he say? Hey, I I want you to come down. And he calls him by name. Isn't that interesting? How does Jesus know Zacchaeus' name? You ever wonder that? I mean, this really isn't part of the sermon, but it's just interesting to me. I wonder if Matthew said, hey, when we get to Jericho, I really want you to meet Zacchaeus. He and I, in the old life, we were colleagues I kind of knew him. And I think you'd really, I think you'd find him interesting, Jesus. Maybe, it's not the Bible, but just maybe. And, and so Jesus looks up and calls Zacchaeus by name. And he says, I want you to come down. Because when you're up in the tree, Zacchaeus, I can't really connect to you. And here's something important. Jesus really can't help you with your life if you stay distant from him. If you stay up in the tree. And Zacchaeus comes down, and Jesus says this a really amazing thing. He says, hey, I'm going to your house today. Hope you cleaned it up. <laughs> Hope you got something for supper. In Jesus' day, to go to someone's house means you want to have a friendship with them. It means you want to connect to them. <laughs> What's Jesus saying? Hey, Zacchaeus, I'd like to be your friend. How long has it been since anybody said to Zacchaeus, hey, I'd like to be your friend? I want you to know that Jesus still does this. We're told in the book of Revelation that here I am, this is Jesus speaking, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Jesus is still saying, hey, I want to come into your life. I want us to eat together. I want us to have a relationship. I want us to have a friendship. There's an old song that says, What a friend we have in Jesus. Are you friends with Jesus? Because I think it's only when you're really friends with Jesus that you start to get it that he understands your world more than you understand your world. That Jesus actually understands the whys and the emptiness. That Jesus actually understands that that some of the things that everybody tells you will make you happy, it it doesn't work that way. (laughs) Because believe it or not, your deepest need is not to achieve. Your deepest need is not to be significant. What's your deepest need? To actually understand your world or to know that if you can't understand everyone, there is someone who can This is why the Bible urges us to wisdom. Wisdom is trusting that God has a perspective we don't have on the world. Wisdom is actually understanding that God can see around the corner. He knows what is coming. And he understands our past better than we do. Things that you have forgotten, God remembers. And God understands the connectedness of our world. And there's connections that he he sees that you don't even get. Here's the reality, Jesus understands more about our lives than we do. And when you put your life in the care of God, there's a safety, there's a security. Any any feelings of shame, of of insignificance can go away. A verse that has meant a lot to me recently is Psalm 71.1. In you, Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In other words, when I, I make God my fortress, I don't have to worry about what other people say, what other people think. I am surrounded by the grace, the love, the understanding, and the peace of Jesus Christ. Now, a second deep need that everyone has we need to be understood. You know, that is the whole point of Jesus being flesh, why he came down from heaven. We call it the incarnation. He, he understands our world. So there was this mom who was scolding her little girl. You know, I can't believe what you did. Don't you know that that's going to take mommy a long time to clean up? Why did you do that? The little girl looks up at her mommy with tears rolling down her cheeks and her big blue eyes, and she says, Mommy, you forgot what it's like to be little. Jesus has not forgotten. Jesus paid taxes just like you pay taxes. Jesus broke a sweat working for a living just like you do. You ever had somebody betray you, hurt you, stab you in the back? (laughs) Jesus has had that happen. You ever felt frustrated with people, like you could just wring their neck? Listen to how Jesus talked to his disciples. How long must I put up with you? Temptation. Jesus was tempted in ways you cannot fathom. In other words, every essential human experience that you have had, Jesus has had. He understands you. And that knowledge is so intimate. Not only does he understand what it's like to be human, he understands what it's like to be you. And and this does not end. Um, I sometimes wonder what it would have been like to be like with Peter, James, and John, and Andrew, and and be right there and and have Jesus look at me and and really know me. But there there are these verses in Romans 8 that remind me that God still is at work understanding me. Listen to this, Romans 8, 26 and 27. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Do you hear what? do you hear what Paul's telling us? That if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. That means the Holy Spirit has intimate knowledge of you and can see the parts of you you do not see yourselves. And so when the Spirit senses that we don't even know how to pray, have you ever had those moments when you just didn't even know how to pray? If you had those moments when you just didn't even know what to say to God, the Spirit is there at the right hand of the Father, groaning on your behalf. Because, face it, sometimes life is so difficult, words won't do. You just have to groan your way through. The Spirit understands. And not only that, the Spirit is able to take the desires of our heart and measure it against the will of God and says, look, I know this is what you're asking for, but this is what you need. I've heard people say, hmm, be careful what you pray for, you might get it. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. You know why? If, if one of my children, when they were little, had asked for a fifth helping of ice cream, would I have given it to them? No, because they were my children. I wanted what was best for them. Now, if my grandson asks for the fifth helping of ice cream. <laughs> I just want you to get this picture. Okay, God, the Spirit says, Clay is asking for a brand new truck. He doesn't need that. There's another 150,000 miles in the truck he's got. So God, don't give him a new truck. That's not gonna make him happy. He needs God to learn how to be satisfied with what you've already given him. I wonder if God ever speaks on your behalf like that. The great comfort in this is that God is not Amazon. He never gets an order wrong. There was a a great theologian who really summed it up well. You may have heard of this great theologian. His name was Garth Brooks. And he said, I thank God for unanswered prayers. I remember praying for some things to happen when I was in my 20s. And now that I'm not in my 20s, I can look back and say, thank you, God, that you did not answer that prayer. So so here's an alternate prayer to pray. It goes like this. Heavenly Father, you understand me better than I know myself. So I'm going to trust you, not me. What would happen if you prayed that prayer? Hey, God, right now, this is what my heart wants. God, right now, I am really frustrated. I'm angry. I don't know why. Hey, God, right now, I just really feel joyous. I'm not even sure why. You understand me better than I understand myself. So I'm going to trust you. Would your stress level go down? Would your anxiety go down? Would you have some of that deeper peace that we all want? See, when you really trust God like this, you have emotional safety. You have a deep sense of security. You know there's grace for you, you know there's forgiveness for you. And you can trust that God is going to work good in all things for you. Now, our third deep need our third deep need is to belong remembers Zacchaeus has been an outcast. He is seen as a traitor. And Jesus says, I'm going to your house today. And the people around grumble, don't they? They're like, so Jesus is going to the house of a sinner? Can't you just see him? They're all standing around the crowd. Can you believe he's going to the house of a sinner today? Jesus says, look, I've come to offer you myself. I've come to say to you, you belong. I want you. Have you ever felt left out? You ever been in that environment where you just sort of like, I don't think I fit here? My first Christmas at my in-laws, in-laws are great people. We were not married at the time. Uh, we were engaged. We just got engaged. And so I, this was my introduction into Gina's family's Christmas customs. And so um, my family, you wake up on Christmas morning and you get steak and eggs. Woke up, I didn't actually wake up. Here's the romantic part of this. Okay, so i had had to do a, an 11 o'clock Christmas Eve service at the church I pastored in Kentucky and I drove all night through the snow, this is true, through the snow to be with my fiance on Christmas Day. Top that guys, I'm just saying. Okay, so anyway, so I, I get there and I'm kind of waiting for steak and eggs and they fix me toast. Toast is not steak and eggs. Okay, okay, but the day's gonna get better. The day's gonna get better. My family, for Christmas, uh, we have ribs. We have ribs, good, slow-cooked, fall-off-the-bone, fatty, juicy ribs. We went to Gina's grandmother's house, and they had turkey. (laughs) Dry sawdust turkey and they had this weird purple thing looked like a tin can purple tin can and it just jiggled and they all looked like this was the greatest thing it was cranberry sauce we didn't have cranberry sauce we had guava cobbler you don't know what guavas are but that is what you will eat in heaven I felt like I didn't belong, I didn't know the customs, I didn't know what we did. Next Christmas, I cooked ribs. Okay, I bet you've walked into a room and you thought first you were kinda looking to see, you know, if you fit in, and somebody said something and you began to feel like you didn't fit in. Maybe it was because you didn't feel like you were as smart as the other people in the room. Maybe it was because you felt like um, maybe everybody else in the room made more money than you, or maybe everybody else in the room um, had sort of a social network that you didn't belong to. Maybe Maybe you felt like you didn't fit in because of the color of your skin. And Jesus says, wait a minute, you belong. You belong. You belong to me. I want connection with you. See, that's why church has to be a place of grace. Because if Jesus wants you, we want you to. Can you imagine us ever standing out in front of these doors and saying, hey, God loves you, but we don't want you? No. No, we, we have to be a place of grace. Because Jesus wants everyone to belong. He wants everyone to find their home. And if you've never invited Jesus Christ into your life, you you start the belonging process by actually admitting the reality of your life. And God already knows the reality of your life. The reality of your life is you sinned, right? So you say, Lord, I'm a sinner, and God is not surprised. He doesn't go, really? God says, I know you're a sinner. I know the sins you forgot and I want to forgive them but you need to ask and so you say God please forgive those sins the sins of the past and the sins I'm not even aware of right now and all the sins of the future which I'm sure I will not even recognize some of them God forgive me and I want to follow Jesus and I won't get it perfect but I want to stick with Jesus and that starts you belonging to our Heavenly Father There's a great verse in the Gospel of John where Jesus says, whoever you put in my hand, Father, I will not let them go. Now, maybe you're a believer and you've already taken that step. Hey, let me tell you, it's still a good thing to ask to say, Lord, I want to belong with you because I think if you pray that prayer regularly, Lord, I want to belong with you, it will help you remember how to orient your life You see, you may have a really bad day at work and the boss may be all over you or you may be having a really bad day at school and nothing's going right or you may just be having a really bad day, period, but you can say, Lord, I belong to you. Because I belong to you. Yeah, my life may not go perfectly, but I have a security that nothing can shake. And let me just go ahead and say, one of the reasons it's important for you to be part of a church body is so that you can remember you belong. So one of the reasons it's important for you to be in a life group so that you can actually get to know people and make connections. And so that you can know and, and say to some people who feel left out, you belong, you belong in our group. And so there's days when you feel discouraged, they can say to you, hey, you belong in, an, in our group. I know you're going through a tough time. I got an email uh, not too long ago. A woman said, I'm so appreciative for our church and for my life group because I've been going through some really hard times and I've not been able to take care of my family. And my life group, they have, they have provided meals for us for a week. Doesn't that send the message you belong? Yeah, you belong so much, we actually, we're actually going to make sure you get fed. Lord, I want to belong with you. Now, here's our fourth deep need. I need to have hope. So Zacchaeus comes down the tree, right? And his first words are not, I can't believe you're coming to my house, Jesus. Oh, you people who excluded me, guess who's coming to my house today? That's not what Zacchaeus says. That's what I I would have said. What's the first thing that Zacchaeus says? He comes down the tree and he says, Lord, look, I'm going to give away half of what I own right here and now. And I bet there were a hundred hands that went like this. And then he says, and if I've cheated anyone out of anything, I'm going to give them back four times what I cheated them out of. Now, in the Old Testament, there's an ancient standard that if you realize you've cheated someone, you give back four times what you have taken from them. It is a way of acknowledging sin. That's what Zacchaeus is doing. Now think about Zacchaeus doing all this. How has he measured his life? His wealth? His status? Anybody think Zacchaeus spends a lot of time over his accounting books, over his ledgers? I need to explain to everybody under 30 they didn't have Quicken back then. They didn't have QuickBooks. I realize some of you don't know what those things are. That's why your finances are such a mess, but that's another sermon. Okay. Does this math add up to you? Does it? I'm going to give away half and I'm going to pay everybody back four times. That math does not add up to me. Why is it so significant? I think it's because maybe for the first time in his adult life, money doesn't matter to Zacchaeus. Jesus does. Have you noticed that all the way through this series, people have had to let go of money and financial security in order to follow Jesus? Peter has to leave behind the catch of a lifetime that would give him financial security to follow Jesus. The sinful woman gives her savings, which is contained in a jar of perfume so Jesus can know she loves him. The 72 are sent out and told, don't take a purse with you. Now, for all the guys, that means leave your wallet at home. And and last week, we talked about the rich ruler and how he missed eternal life by that much because he would not give everything he had to the poor. Maybe that's why Jesus says, look, wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart is. You've got to do the work. And and I wish I could do it for you, but, but I can't. You've got to discover this on your own, that Jesus is enough. And that when you have Jesus, you have all the hope you need because hope drives out fear. The fear that you don't matter, the fear that you're not smart enough, the fear that you you, you don't really even understand yourself and you don't belong, all those fears go away. Zacchaeus, he gets it. And he's living with a new hope. You, You remember our memory verse for this year? You remember? May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Are are you overflowing with hope? Do you have that deep joy? Deep joy is the sense of everything may be going wrong, but I still have a, a joy because I know God's gonna work it out. Deep peace, deep peace. Everything may be chaos, but the most important thing is settled in my life. I've trusted Jesus. When you have that, as you trust in Him as a process, hope overflows. What would happen in your life tomorrow if hope overflowed? And you went out to crank your car and it didn't crank and hope overflowed. You say, Well, will hope crank my car? Probably not. Will it help you keep things in perspective so you don't kick the tires and cuss at the battery? I bet it will. If hope overflowed in your life tomorrow, what would happen when your spouse does something that just really gets on your nerves? Would you say, you just really get on my nerves? Or would hope overflowing change your life? Change how you react to your spouse? When you get an F on a test, and I know that would never happen to any of you, if you get an F on a test and you have hope overflowing, what would that do? Would you, would you walk away from that time saying, oh my gosh, I'm just a dumb and How will show my parents and they're going to get all over my case? Or would you say, hey, I got an F. God still loves me. I still have peace. Sure, an extra year in high school, but I have peace. See, when you meet, meet Jesus and you really trust him, You know that he understands your world better than you do. You know that you are understood. You know you belong. And you know you have hope. Because when you meet Jesus, everything can change. Pray with me. Father, let nothing stand between us and Jesus. And help us now to trust him. I pray for any who don't belong, that today they would confess their sins and ask for forgiveness and commit themselves to following Jesus. And for those of us who've taken that step, Father, we're not perfect people. We still need the reassurance that you know us and know our world and that we belong to you. Help hope overflow out of our lives to help us not lose sight of it. And thank you. Thank you that you came to seek and to save the lost, which is, which is us. And you call us by name. I pray for everybody to meet Jesus today. In his name.